Welcome to Innovations of Health, a podcast that gives you the latest in healthcare trends and news. We'll be sharing advances in digital technology and breakthroughs in healthcare that eases people's way and provides a better healthcare future for all. Hi, I'm Kelby Johnson, and uh, today I'm here with Dr. Ora Gordon to talk about an exciting field of medicine called genomics. I've asked Dr. Gordon, a self-proclaimed preventionist, to help us better understand genomics and to talk about a program at Providence called Genome for Me. At its core, this program seeks to understand the genetic makeup of humans and in order to develop precise and personalized medicine that can help them lead healthier lives. So throughout this conversation, we'll learn why the understanding the DNA of individuals is important, the vision for this, this new program, Genome for Me, and a bit about Dr. Gordon's journey in medicine. Welcome, Dr. Gordon, and thank you for making the time to talk about this important field of medicine. Thanks so much, Kelby. It's a real pleasure to be with you this morning. So DNA, I like to just think of as the blueprint for who you are, and it is the roadmap to which all of our cells build proteins, build every structure that kind of goes into becoming who we are as humans. It is fixed, more or less, from when you are the moment you are conceived and the DNA comes from your parents. You get half from each. When there is a change in the DNA where the, the coding doesn't allow for a normal protein or a normal structure, then that can cause, we understand that that causes disease. So the field of genetics has grown up around trying to understand these changes in our DNA, which then result in you know, abnormalities and changes which cause disease, either from birth and childhood diseases, inherited diseases like cystic fibrosis or um, sickle cell anemia, or a predisposition, a genetic programming change that puts you at risk for a disease much later in life. Cancer, changes to your heart muscle or conduction system, the, the uh, vulnerability to having an aneurysm in one of your blood vessels, all of these can be a programming or DNA error. Genomics is really the broader, all-encompassing, everything that goes into how do you function as a human being. So it is your DNA roadmap. It is how that DNA interacts with your environment, dietary environment, extra, you know, external environment, how those genes speak to each other and might silence or activate them, if, are there stressors in your body that might up or down uh, activate or regulate? So that's where genomics comes in. It's pretty amazing to think about that we all have 99.9% .9 of our DNA. So that coding sequence, that, that, that you know, tome of an encyclopedia of information, exactly the same. Yet there's this enormous variability, how we look, how big we are, our vulnerability to disease, whether we're resistant to infection, all of these things are a combination of our genetics or our DNA and this very complicated interaction. The way we're starting to look at health and prevention and risk is to say, can we identify within all of this genomic information, markers, signals, individual variations that would say, I should treat you differently. You probably shouldn't take that medication. You are less likely to get this disease. You are more vulnerable to this cancer and I wanna screen you or provide you with 
with options for prevention that would be different than your next door neighbor or even perhaps your sister. To read it back a little bit, it's really about since genomics is kind of a crystal ball to help kind of understand and predict, you know, what are some of the risk factors that individuals could have based on what they've inherited from their, their parents and to kind of help them prevent that, right? Right. And the, the potential is enormous. Our current ability in terms of what, what can we do clinically and how are we utilizing this is still in, an, in a great deal of discovery mode. So as much as we have advanced, we have advanced and really in the last 10 years, it's just been an exponential, like a huge explosion in how we can use information, what kind of information we have accessible, the cost and therefore the ability to scale to, to big populations. That has all changed so much, but there's still so much to be yet discovered and to really understand how best do we apply this. You mentioned that it's a big exponential growth. What drove that? I mean, what, is there a specific type of treatment? You know, I, I suspect cancer is probably the driver of that, but I mean, like heart, maternity, if you think about the predictive capabilities of understanding the makeup, what drove that growth? So it's kind of interesting that there was a crossroads less than, it's been less than 10 years where the there was a technologic breakthrough that allowed the ability to really with very high fidelity, with really high accuracy, look at our coding information to be able to sequence our DNA. You know, there's a, an incredible slide sort of from the first, when the Human Genome Project started and the first sequence, whole genome was sequenced, you know, it cost a million dollars and it took months and months and months. And now we can basically do the same thing for, you know, less than a thousand dollars and and within hours to a day. So that just, you know, kind of crossroad of being able to technologically just enormously scale our capacity to, to take in and understand the data and then be able to turn around and translate it into care was the, the biggest thing. In this cancer space, you know, at the same time when these, when, when this revolution in the, the what we call next generation sequencing occurred, it happened at the very same time, if you'll remember back, when Angelina Jolie first announced that she was the carrier of a hereditary cancer susceptibility called BRCA, which people very often call BRCA. Mm -hmm. So suddenly, the ability to have a conversation around the dinner table about what does my family history mean? Could this mean that I'm at risk for cancer? Should I be doing something about it? Went from being the rare, the kind of only discussed when somebody had this extraordinary family history that happened to come to the attention of a provider who happened to be aware of it and then refer to genetics that was kind of up on an ivory tower to now suddenly everybody was starting to talk about this. So those things coalesced at the same time and, and it created this explosion of information and this kind of you know explosion of conversation to say, I would like to know, am I at risk for disease and can I do something about it before I get it? We're really trying to shift from this reactive medicine to proactive, right? Mm. It's too late. If, if I think about you as being at risk for hereditary cancer after you present with prostate cancer at age 40, I have missed my window. Right? I want to know before you get cancer because I want to be able to intervene to 
um, change potentially your lifestyle, potentially offer you medications, surveillance and screening so that we can catch something at the earliest stage, you know, before it becomes an advanced cancer and, and require very different kinds of treatment. It's obvious you're super passionate about this, and it's, 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 it's quite amazing the work that you and your team does. But may I ask, you know, how did you get involved in this? What inspired you? And, and just talk to us a little bit about your journey to get to where you are. So I started out my medical career as a genetic counselor. And so for if you don't know what that is, it, the, it doesn't describe that well what actually that career path is. So these are allied, it's an allied health professional, a master's level, very specifically trained to help in the understanding of genetic information as it applies to disease and as it applies to reproductive risks. So I trained as a genetic counselor and I like to think about it really more as like a genetics interpreter or a genetics translator, right? I, I just loved the ability to take very complex information and help present that in a way to patients that they could understand and then feel that they were um, empowered to be able to utilize that information for their own health care or for the sake of their families and family planning. There were things that ran in families, right? So you had a lot of breast cancer in your family, or you had combinations of colon cancer and other kinds of cancers that seemed to be beyond random chance and, and were very predictable in terms of their risk to the next generation. But we only had the ability to sort of look at family trees and then say, it looks like you're at risk, you may be at higher risk. In the mid-90s, with this explosion of genetic information, we suddenly sequenced genes that predicted risk for cancer in particular, and that changed everything. So I went to medical school. I continued to work as a genetic counselor while I was in medical school in those first couple of years, and then I trained in women's health internal medicine. Um, so right as I was finishing medical school, the BRCA genes were... were um, being were, were sequenced and now suddenly we could predict risk in a very meaningful way. So I uh, started out to do OB that I did this women's health internal medicine training and then a medical genetics fellowship. Years later, in fact, just a few years ago, I went back and I did a fellowship in integrative medicine because I really felt the need to use every tool possible to help people help themselves, to really understand how could we optimize lifestyle, nutrition, uh, reduction in stress, you know, movement therapy, every tool in the world of genetics and cancer risk. We do a lot, you know, of intervention that can really be hard for people. And so to be able to really empower people to take a hold of their own care and their own health and to, to utilize everything from, from medications to supplements to screening to diet to, you know, really 360 it. So that's how I kind of put it together. I may be the only person who is a medical geneticist and also fellowship trained in integrative medicine. Thank you for, for sharing sharing a bit about your, your background and journey. It's, it's fascinating to hear um, hear your story. Um, what let's pivot over to the the genome for me uh, program. What, what is it? Uh, what's what's its goal? How's it going so far? What, you know, talk a little bit about what what's going on there. And um, just wanted to 
bring something else up a little bit when we think about genetics and the field of genetics, right? So right now it is a, you know, the leading edge, right, of, of precision and preventive care, the, the field of genetics and genomics. But, you know, the other thing you hear a lot about now is patient-centered care, right? And this is something that's really part of the mission for Providence very much overall, like helping patients individually. How, how do we reach out to patients and have their care journey be specific to them. The field of genetics has been doing patient-centered care before it was a thing, right? So the idea of, of informing and educating and having the patient guide their own decisions. Do they wanna know if they're at risk for a disease? How does this impact themselves? How does this impact their family? Looking at, at the totality of that care. Um, has always been part of genetics. So I, I think that we're thought leaders in that way in, in really translating to kind of modern medicine and modern care. It's always been a shared journey between the clinical provider giving that expertise and helping the patient feel like they can make the best choices for themselves. So the Genome For Me study is a brainchild that has been within both Providence leadership and then myself since I've been part of the Providence team for the last six years. And we have been thinking about how do we bring genomics to our whole, you know, to our whole patient population, to the diversity of the incredible diversity within our health system and really, you know, change how care might be delivered and, and, so the Genome for Me, which stands for Genomic Medicine for Everyone study, and we are looking to um, enroll 5,000 patients, any adults. So this is an adult-based uh, adult program. And there's a combination of clinical delivery and discovery. So on the clinical side, patients are invited to participate. They go through uh, the education and consent totally through electronic means. So we're really trying to reduce the need to come in and spend a long time, you know, talking to research teams and, and signing a whole bunch of 20 page, you know, consents and have this be very interactive and very dynamic. Once patients enroll, then they provide a sample through blood and saliva or potentially will be you know, one or the other, and um, that is for this genomic sequencing. So we are doing whole genome sequencing, but we are returning clinically actionable results. And we spent a long time thinking about what do we want to return as a result in this, in this first phase. So we're returning three groups of results, cancer risk susceptibility, a kind of umbrella that we call cardiovascular risk. So for um, hereditary risk to changes in the heart muscle or the electrical condition, the electrical conduction to the heart that could predispose to sudden death-like events, high cholesterol, hereditary high cholesterol, and then something called pharmacogenomics. So pharmacogenomics is a big word. And what it means is is your genomic information, so when we talked about these variations in our DNA and how our DNA interacts in our body with medications, are you less likely to respond? Are you more likely to have a side effect? Is this the, a great choice for you in terms of medication? So this is a very exciting uh, 
area of medicine to really start to say, how do we utilize your own body's genetic and genomic information to best manage, to pair that to the best care. So this is the idea of being able to beforehand choose a medicine that is best or better suited for you as an individual. So that's everything we're returning back to participants who in the study. And this is also going to their providers because it is equally, if not more important to educate and bring along our medical community and, mm -hmm. and have them also increase their genomic fluency, their comfort with genetic medicine, their ability to apply this on their everyday practice. So like I said, kind of the genetics used to be the rare disorder, ivory tower, you got sent there, you know, you had to go to an academic center to kind of see an expert if you had something really unusual going on. Well, now we understand that the genomic influence to every common disease of adulthood you know, has relevancy. And so how do we really take that to the everyday care? How do we have this so fluid and so easily accessible that the primary care docs, the GI docs, the cardiologists, everybody has a little bit of information to say, I'm going to take care of you differently because of this genetic and genomic information. Saliva has become validated and is very easy from, from a sequencing standpoint. So we can get the DNA that we need out of saliva as easily as we can from blood. Blood is much richer when we talk about the genomics, so the biomarkers, the sort of the, the looking at not only the DNA, but the RNA. So is what's the, what's the code and then what is the messaging to use that code to cut it up to make proteins, as well as the byproducts and the chemical compounds that maybe that coding is, is, um, is creating. So, so blood is a much richer source of discovery information whereas the saliva is much easier sort of if we're trying to, you know, reach folks and have them participate and maybe not even have to come in to uh, a clinic or to the hospital and be able to send them things at home. So one of the main objectives of the Genome for Me project is to engage people who have not traditionally been involved in research. So again, because Providence is very committed to the care of the vulnerable populations, we really want to recruit and engage a whole diversity of patient populations and those who, you know, might be a little resistant to be involved in research, those who may have had negative experiences or who are marginalized. So we're really looking to, you know, find novel ways to recruit and accrue a whole variety of, of patients and learn from that, especially in this first year, you know, what is the best mechanism to reach people who are not English language fluent, you know, first English language speakers. We have developed this platform in English and Spanish for our first tier, but really looking at how are other ways to engage. I would love for people who are interested to go to the website, to read, to learn, to get educated, Right at this moment, we're not open widely to the whole health system, but we're going to be opening, kind of, um, uh, successively opening to the broader and broader population and allowing people to enroll, you know, in a whole different, uh, all different kinds of ways. One final question to close this out. You, you had mentioned 
that, you know, the getting other folks involved, like your primary care, your, your specialist doctors, depending on your age and what your ailments are, what is the, what is the one question you would advise consumers, patients to ask their doctors? How do they broach this with their doctors if they're interested in really digging into this personalized element of care? So I tell everybody, you know, Thanksgiving should be family history day. And when you, when you get together with your family, like, you know, bring, bring along a whiteboard or a piece of paper and, and use that time to, to really get that, that uh, collective information. It is incredibly powerful to understand your family history and how that might guide what you might be at risk for. But, but that's, we're moving from that and that is a, an incredibly powerful tool. But what we're really trying to do is even find people who don't have information about their families that don't know their family history that are adopted. Right. So the, the idea of population based genomic medicine says, well, we're not waiting. We're not gatekeeping to say, well, only if you have three people in your family who have had breast cancer, are we going to look to you to see whether you have a genetic susceptibility? So I encourage everybody to have dialogue with their providers about their personal and family history and make sure that they bring that forward. They're busy clinical visits. You're coming in for your annual. There's only a limited amount of time. The docs are trying to get through everything that you need for, you know, just your regular screening and what are you, what are you kind of uh, appropriate for? So, so really, and you know, you as your own self-advocate, Bring those those questions forward. Let your doctors know. Hey, do you know that? Did I ever tell you that my you know my mom had a heart attack at, at forty? Those kinds of pieces of information are super helpful. Thank you so much for helping us learn a little bit about this evolving field of medicine and, and talking about the Geno for Me uh, program. I hope that this can be the first of many conversations we can have with you, Dr. Gordon, because this is just it's 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 an amazing space that you're occupying and that Providence is pushing. I'd really love to kind of continue the kind of conversation in the future.